0: Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, we want to give a shout out to our podcast partners, We Coach, and the global community of women in high school sports. And we also want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, we want to say thanks to Final Forms, they're the industry leader in forms and registration, but Final Forms is so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility, and they've got reminders for parents about policies and physicals and all the forms that come when you have an athlete in the house. Final Forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help you with eligibility, with rosters and all the reports that come across your desk. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes to take the next steps Go to finalforms.com slash Jake, finalforms.com slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. If you go to on Snap.com, that's ONSnap.com, you can check out their entire platform, which is designed to help athletic directors help create a championship caliber program. Uh, there's several different aspects to the platform. SnapRaise is the fundraising platform. Our coaches have used that with tremendous success, and so can you. SnapSpend is a money management platform, mostly for clubs. Uh, SnapStore helps you uh, provide great-looking fan gear and team gear for your program. Uh, SnapManage is a website management platform for your school. Create a brand-new website. And SnapConnect is the multilingual family connection engagement platform. It's all there for you at OnSnap.com. Go to OnSnap.com uh, or call your local Snap mobile representative to help you get started. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive, indoor scoring tables and video boards. You've heard me talk about them before. We've got a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table in our gym, and it's just fantastic. Go to SidelineInteractive.com or email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com to get started. We also want to say thanks to Vital Signs. Um, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Uh, they've got an uh, entire library of uh, video consoles and templates to help you recognize your school's uh, athletic records or your school's Hall of Fame. Uh, once again, it's a tremendous product. Their customer service is fantastic. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or... Email them at sales at vital signs wall of fame.com to get started. We also want to say thanks to huddle, go to huddle.com and see, uh, what they can do for you and your school as a football coach. I used huddle for years. Uh, but as an athletic director, our school was a huddle school and our coaches just love the, uh, mobile apps, the smart cameras. Of course they love the analytics, but there's so much more go to huddle.com to turn your school into a huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to Gipper.com and start creating world-class marketing content for your school's social media channels. It's so easy. And again, their customer service is fantastic. Go to Gipper.com. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast. Use the podcast code ADPOD10 and get 10% off. That's Gipper.com. We want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student-athletes, you're really missing out. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. And we want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Uh, They're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online. They'll show you how to collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. So go to hometownticketing.com and find out how you can start selling tickets to all your events digitally. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Today, it's another back to college episode. And we're going to be visiting with Leanne Danzi Bustle. She is the, excuse me, doctor. Leanne Danzy Bustle, she is the program director of a fairly new master's program, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's a master's degree in sport and entertainment management, and it's at Travecca Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee, the home of our national conference this year, and uh, she's going to have a uh, booth in the vendor area, so you can do a deeper dive, but Dr. Danzy Bussell, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much, Jake, for having me. It's uh, not often I get to do these, and it puts my first degree I ever earned in college to uh, to work finally, so so to speak. I was a broadcasting major at first.
0: Oh, so. Okay, so you're an old pro at this. All right, hey, uh, it's been a while. All right. Well, we're glad that you could um, spend a little time with us. You and I connected on on LinkedIn. I saw your post about the new program, and it was intriguing, and so. Thought we'd share it with our listeners. So let's go and get started. We always like to uh, let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that, um, you know, uh, four minute uh, bio. Tell us everything in four minutes, you know, where you grew up, where you went to school and college. Maybe take us up to those college years and graduation. And then we'll take a break and come back to talk a little bit about your career. But uh, what's the Dr. Lee and Danzie Bussell's origin story? Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. So um, I affectionately refer to myself as L.A. from L.A. That means Leanne from lower Alabama. Alabama. Uh, I was born and raised in Mobile. And, uh, you know, it's it's that's who I am. I mean, I I don't make any bones about being from Alabama and that that's my school as well. Um, Went to high school, uh, started out. um, Well, I guess I should go back even further started out with sport at a very young age. Um, my dad was a golfer and so went to the driving range and rode a tricycle around when I was three and four. And finally at five, he let me hit my first ball and I fell in love with that. Um, played sports, not you know, more, uh, community sports growing up. I did different sports, if you will. Um, I, bold, which is, you know, indoor sport and sort of individual. Um, And I was a huge uh, competitive roller skater, which uh, a lot of people don't know a whole lot about that. It's, it's, you know, everything you do on ice skates, but on roller skates. And I did that for many years uh, up through high school. Uh, Graduated from high school in the Mobile area and went to Alabama and was very fortunate to um, have a connection that got me hooked up with the athletic department there. Just, a, you know, just a small athletic department. Might have heard of it. a Little bit of success there, right? Um, so I was fortunate to start college and also work in college athletics in the sports information area. So I spent undergrad time doing sports information that led to me then going on to get my master's uh, I got a second degree at Alabama. Broadcasting was the first, public relations was the second because I loved sports information so much. Did my master's in communication at what was Northeast Louisiana University. It's now UL Monroe. Um, and very interesting times, if we have some time in another segment, I'll, I'll tell you about the that whole experience. You know, um, celebrating 50 years of, of Title IX this year. Uh, started college in 83. Uh, went through some Grove City versus Bell, uh, gender equity issues, and, and the NCAA offering women's uh, championships. So I, I worked through that, which was really kind of an interesting time for me. Uh, did my master's at Northeast, um, took some time off and worked for a professional golf tour, worked as an SID at some Division I and Division Three schools and conferences, and um, Ended up at Florida State for my PhD. And um, I guess, as they say, the rest is history. I uh, thought I was going to be an AD. That was the whole goal when I first started. And things happened, life changed. Uh, I met my husband and got married, and um, priorities changed a little bit. And I saw an opportunity after having our daughter that a university was looking for a sport management profession. I thought, oh, sounds like fun and uh that was back in 2002 and i've been professing ever since i started teaching adjunct before that but full-time professor in in 20 2002
0: so well uh i i always love hearing the stories i mean people uh that, that listen they hear me say that all the time but it's true i i, I just love hearing all the little twists and turns Uh, takes back to that, uh, the roller skating, um, you know, so that's similar or, you know, the, the same events or disciplines that you sometimes see with, with ice skating, as far as the the forms and the things they have to do. Jumps, spins,
1: figures, you name it. We did it. Uh, they call it ice dancing. We called it just dancing. If you had a partner and you, you did that with your partner, um, I guess the best way to describe it, if you, if you I mean, some of your listeners are, are too young to understand that what a roller skating rink is, but I mean, I would go and get locked in at the rink in between sessions just to practice. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we did some crazy things that you wouldn't do these days, but um, if you have ever been to a roller skating rink, you know, it's a wooden floor and you saw all these circles painted on it. That's where we did our figures. We had to take our four wheels and basically straddle that line as perfectly as possible wow. and do whatever it took in ice skating. They actually create their own circle. So it's, that's right. a little different. Uh, and then um, as far as freestyle, that's your jumps, your spins, your, your program, like the long and short program that you see on TV. So I, I got up to doing doubles and started triples. And then uh, that's about when I quit. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I did it from the time I was, about eight years um i was actually competing so it
0: was a uh, lot of fun. I re- oh i'm sorry yeah i was just gonna say as a little kid uh, maybe fourth fifth sixth grade or so i remember you know weekends you know going to the rink uh and then as i got to junior high there was more sport things and there was that roller skating group but uh uh wasn't involved in that but very that's very cool i love it okay uh yeah. stay away from the rink now at all costs um let's go and talk a little bit about that early career. You know, you know, you're at the college level now, but, you know, talk about some of those earlier jobs that, you know, built, you built upon to put you where you are now, you know, leading a program uh, at the college level.
1: Sure. So, I mean, as I said, I started out as a broadcasting major and at the time there were only two women who were actually doing sports broadcasting, Phyllis George and Jane Kennedy, and they weren't necessarily there for, um, their intellect in, in football. They were, they were very beautiful women. And I thought, I know football. I can talk about it. I want to do that. So that was one of the, the driving um, reasons, I guess, that I wanted to pursue that. And then once I got into sports information, um, I didn't realize I loved to write until I was able to write. And then I was running and, and working events and getting to see a whole different side of sport that I'd never seen before. And I was fascinated with it. So I did that all through my undergrad program and my, actually my master's, I was a, a graduate SID. Um, and that's kind of where the transition was really kind of needed. Alabama, I didn't get to work football games. Um, it just wasn't, you know, this is pre return to the original intent of title IX, And so um, I guess I I got to sit in the stands and cheer for my team as opposed to not cheer in the press box. But um, at, it, during my master's program, I was in charge of defensive stats for football, and that was like so much fun. Um, and not, not everybody can say that. Oh, that's fun, but you know, there's a lot of responsibility placed upon you when you're doing something like that, especially when the linemen say that was a full tackle, not a half. Um, Fortunately, I didn't have any mistakes that were reported to me during the two years I did that. So I, I take pride in that. And then I knew I, I started thinking about would I want to be an athletic director? And at that point I thought, yes. But as a female in the field, I had to figure out what was my angle, what was unique about me that would would entice someone to want to hire me. And the only thing that I came up with was education. And to have that doctorate degree, to have doctor in front of my name, especially if it's tied to sport management as the the, the major, uh, would give me at least the credibility I felt I needed, since at that point, I think there were only 10 female ADs uh, at the Division One level. And so it was, it was fairly new, um, and there's a whole history that, you know... That would take many podcasts to go through. But I was fortunate that there were women who paved the path for me that allowed me to, one, get that degree, uh, the doctorate, uh, and then to serve as as sort of mentors for me along the way. That's um, probably been one of the best, um, I guess, teaching tools I've had are, are those women who took the time and invested in me. And maybe that's why I love what I do now, because now I have the ability to invest in others, um, kind of paying it, paying it back, but yet paying it forward at the same time.
0: No, absolutely. And and in our next segment, we're going to go into some of those mentors. And and I'm glad you brought it up. That's uh, one of those, I think, sometimes unmentioned or forgotten pieces of the mentor cycle is, you know, those that get mentored end up mentoring that next generation. So. Very cool, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, um, we we should, could, and should do another whole episode on you know the that, that Title IX uh, journey, uh, which we're celebrating 50 years. Of. So, uh, for our listeners, our guest today is Doctor Leanne Danzi Bustle. Um, tremendous uh, background in athletics and athletic administration. She's currently the program director of a brand new master's program in sport management, sport and entertainment management at Trevecca Nazarene University, and that's in Nashville. We're going to take our first break, but we'll be back. This is the Educational AD podcast. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support of the podcast. Hometown is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. And if you go to hometownticketing.com, they're going to show you how to set up and sell tickets for your events online They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to your games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to sell tickets for things like school dances, school plays, concerts, even graduation. hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive. You heard me talk about our Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table in our gymnasium. It's just fantastic. Uh, Of course, we use it for home games, but we also use it for pep rallies. We use it for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and the customer service is just fantastic. Go to SidelineInteractive.com and schedule a live web demonstration and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com to see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, our guest today is Dr. Leanne Danzi Bussell. She is the program director of the brand new uh, sport and entertainment master's degree program at Treveca Nazarene in uh, nashville tennessee uh dr Danzy bustle um none of us get to where we're at on our own and you kind of alluded to some people that have helped you along the way uh the expression that i always use is i still hear those voices in my head so uh do you have any voices that you hear
1: all the time um obviously you have to go with parents first because they kind of set the tone um, and, and guide you up until a point until you find, I, I call that finding the next mentor. Um, uh, I'm an only child. And so my dad was a a sports fan and my mom kind of went along with that. So we did sports in our family, um, mainly Alabama. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and hide the fact of that, but, um, you know, they, they supported me. And when I went to college, um, you, you know, you always listen to your dad, at least I did. Like you felt like he was the the strong person who was gonna not lead you in a, a wrong, down a wrong path. And um I felt like he led me down a wrong path. <laughs> and I had a hard time telling him. And that this sounds kind of uh weird to say it that way, but he said, You need to major in computers. Computers are the wave of the future. And this is when I, you know, I graduated high school in '83 and went to college then. So he was right. Um went to school to major in computer science, and after my first year, I was like, uh, no. So I knew that I I was already liking broadcasting and working in sports information, so I totally changed my major and didn't tell him until I was about a week away from going back to college, and he would be the first one to tell you, if he was still here, that probably the best decision I ever made is to follow my heart, um, so my parents first, and then um the first senior woman administrator I worked under, uh, her name was Anne Marie Lawler, she's Amory Rogers now. And she just took me under her wing and said, here's sports information, give it a shot. And I'll never forget, she um made the decision to leave Alabama after being there for. 20 something years and she was going to the competitor and i don't mean within the state she actually headed to florida and she was the swa at the university of florida um, for about the same amount of years and when she was leaving she approached me and she said i want you to write the press release about me leaving and of course i broke down and cried i'm like no you can't go um But she would be a second mentor. And then um, during my time at Florida State, uh, the other um, senior woman administrator who played a big role was Jan Stocker. She has uh, since passed away. But she uh, brought me in as a, a Ph.D. student and really taught me about leadership and administration. And then I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for women like Oh, gosh, Janet Parks and Jackie Kenean and Diana Gray and, and Brenda Pitts, who I call them the mothers of sport management. Um, they, they were the, the women who wrote the textbooks that I read when I was in school and, and some of the first women in this in this area. And so um, I'm fortunate not only to, to um, follow in their footsteps, but to, to call those ladies friends. Um, not just colleagues anymore, they're true friends. And so I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I hope that in just some small way, I can give back to my students, male or female, uh, what those ladies did for me. And that's actually part of the the dedication of my dissertation is for those who paved the path for me to walk uh, and, and to, you know, leave a trail for others to follow.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you uh, touched on that base. Um, We, um, I I was just talking with another guest and, uh, you know, they were in a similar situation of, you know, they have their mentors. And of course, we always mention our parents as we should, but it's so great that um, for a person to still have mentors that are, are there for them. It wasn't, you know, just, when I was a kid and I've never talked to them again, or it wasn't when I was an undergraduate student, I haven't seen them for 30 years, uh, but they're still a part of your life. That is, I, I think one of the coolest things that can happen, you know, in that mentor mentee relationship. And then taking it to that next level, as you just said, now your friends, okay? you okay, know, your, your colleagues, your peers, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Um, Doctor, one of the things we try to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, uh, what are some things that in your career, you know, that that you have seen with organizations or maybe their initiatives that you created and nurtured uh, that you would consider best practices that you can share with our listeners?
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I kind of define myself as the not normal professor. And I think that's mainly because of the industry I'm in. It, it's not a normal industry. It's not the, the nine to five industry. And, and when I say that, what I mean by that is um, I have to do things a little bit differently. We're moving towards this in many other disciplines as well. And in, in some disciplines, it's always been there. Um, if you're going to be a teacher, you have to go through student teaching. If you're going to be a doctor, you have to go through residency or you know programs that have had that set up. And that's one of the the best assets we can give our students is to create an active learning experience for them while they're a student. So one of my, you know, one of the things I would say is I provide opportunities for them to engage with the industry as often as I can. I do that through, I mean, it's, it's how we met through LinkedIn. You mentioned that. In my freshman class, I have an assignment where I force them, (laughs) that's the way I like to look at it, to make six connections with people they don't know who are currently working in the area of the industry they think they want to work in and ask those people if they would be a resource for them or a mentor if they want to go that far and you know, I've had students who have come back and said, I got an internship from that or that person helped me. They wrote a letter of recommendation, whatever it might be. So um, getting them active um, within the industry as soon as possible, whether it's through networking connections or um, volunteering, that's huge. You, you, you meet so many wonderful people who maybe aren't in sport but somehow connected to sport and I think that's also the beauty of sport management a lot of times I, I have to turn on my I'm speaking to a parent talk because a lot of parents don't know what sport management is it wasn't always around as a, a, a discipline and to me it's one of the most diverse diverse excuse me um majors that you can get It opens the door to just about any opportunity and students can come in, especially in that intro class and see that they could work in marketing. They could work in sports information. They could work behind the scenes from a technology standpoint. We throw in social media these days, event or facility management. Um, You know, there's there's no limit to what they can do. And a lot of people don't understand that what's behind the scenes. And we, we kind of take for granted um, as a spectator, I walk into a stadium or an arena and I'm entertained. Um, so giving those uh, students an opportunity to be a part of that behind the scenes, I think is is very important. Um, and I guess the last thing, it's kind of along those lines, but it's, it's also unique. Um, several schools do it. Um, And so I brought it to our campus. It's a capstone class where we actually function as consultants. Uh, In the past, we've worked with Alliance Sport Marketing, which is a a local organization in Nashville. We worked with the NFHS uh, and did some research for them. We're currently working with USA Baseball and doing some research for them. So I try to get them um, to to understand that everything they take up until this capstone class is the building block for what they're gonna do in that class. Um, so they're they're kind of all tied together. I mean, that's actively engaging my students, growing their network and, and offering opportunities for them to actually contribute uh, to an organization that that has a, a problem or wants a, to solve a, solve the problem, create an opportunity, or just have some research that needs to be done.
0: Yeah, very cool. And again, the capstone experience, you're right, that's becoming, you know, a, a lot more, um, I, I guess, the norm for these programs. And uh, I, I speak from a little bit of experience. I've actually, uh, with a couple of different, uh, programs around the country, I've been partnered with someone, uh, as either, you know, a subject they're interviewing or a slash advisor. So, uh, I, again, I know your program's in the infancy, but, uh, if you ever need, uh, uh, someone I'd be very happy to help out.
1: Absolutely. And just so you know that at the undergraduate level, that's kind of where I was talking. Mm-hmm. So we have sport management undergrad at Trevecca and then we also have the new sport and entertainment masters and they're similar, but they're very, very different at the same time.
0: Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to take a little deeper dive into that program and uh, give you a chance to share with our listeners exactly what that program is all about and why they should be interested. So once again, our guest is uh, Dr. Uh, Leanne Danzy Bussell. She is the program director of the sport and entertainment master's program at Trevecca Nazarene in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, we're going to take a second break. Please stay with us. We'll be back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's uh, athletic record boards for all the sports, for all the events, or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. They've got a ton of interactive touchscreen video consoles and an entire library of templates to help you recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments and go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or email them at sales at to get started. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Uh, Go to OnSnap.com and check out their platform. Uh, The Snap Mobile platform has several different areas that can help you as an athletic director uh, create a championship caliber program. Snap Raise is the fundraising platform that's helped uh, schools just like yours raise thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, Snap Spend is their money management platform for clubs. Uh, Snap Store allows you to uh, order and uh, provide custom spirit gear for your students, uh, for families, uh, for all your supporters. And Snap Connect is the multilingual family engagement platform that helps you support every family in your community. You can find out all the different ways that Snap mobile can help you and your program for more information, go to on snap.com or go to snapraise.com and get in touch with your local rep. That's on snap.com. Welcome back everyone to the podcast. Our guest is Dr. Leanne Danzi Bustle from Travecca Nazarene University. Uh, Doctor, um, we talked about this new, Sport and entertainment master's program that you're just kicking off. Uh, Share a little bit about maybe the history of the program. uh, And then let's take that deeper dive and and let our listeners, who are mostly high school athletic directors, uh, know exactly why they should be interested. So, what's the story about the program?
1: So, when I came to Dreveca, this is my seventh year, um, I had a five year plan. Uh, First was to reorganize, revamp the undergraduate program, and then eventually uh, create a, an, a master's, not necessarily in sport and entertainment. But as we went through um, the years, the, the the five-year plan was very much shortened in terms of the undergraduate program. Uh, I started making changes almost right away. So that was, was sped up. And, and I tried to actually change the name of the undergraduate program to sport and entertainment. And Couple of little red flags, but we we moved on from that. And I thought, well, it makes sense to think about a master's now. So I started planning the bug and um kind of to cut through some red tape um and not tell a long story. We had some shifting on our campus. We were growing our STEM program, and I was part of sport um and exercise science. And it made sense that exercise science would go into the STEM program Uh, science and you know it just it just fit Uh, but I was going to be the outlier and so my provost and the dean of the school of business met with me and said we want to move you to the school of business and it changed my program a little bit I went from being a bs in sport management to being a bba with a concentration in sport management Uh, what that does is essentially gives a student a dual degree it's a it's a double major They take all the requirements for a business administration degree as well as for sport management. When I moved over to the School of Business, I um, started making it be known that I was interested in doing this. And the right person heard it at the right time and took it to the provost and they said, make it happen. This was in. So this is my second year in the School of Business. This was probably this time, maybe even into November. Or December of last year and I was told okay make it happen (laughs) I was like okay and so I started to work on it and then they said when can you have it ready I said when does it need to be ready and they said well whenever I gave my date of uh, myself a date of March 15th that was the end of our our spring break so I created all of the courses on the sport and entertainment side and um wrote the the syllabi, the curriculum, put it all together, did all the paperwork, and had it submitted by March fifteenth. And the first cohort started in August. So it was it was fast track, but it had been something that I had been planning on for a while. So it sounds like, oh, you did this in a couple of months. Not really. Uh, it was a long-term goal. i've I've set several of those in my my career. Uh, writing a textbook being one and on the bucket list, um, and, and this being another, creating a, a master's from the ground up. So why sport and entertainment instead of sport management is probably a, a good place to go next. I'm in Nashville. <laughs> That's enough said, right? But Nashville's known as the music city, but in 2019, Sports Business Journal named us the best sports city. And when you think about what we've done and what we're going to do in this town in terms of sport and or entertainment, it just made sense. So when I was putting the, the classes together, I made sure that they were complementary across the board to any entertainment entity or any person who wants to work in any aspect of the entertainment industry, whether it's music, theater, um, travel and tourism, you know, everything that touches um sport that is entertainment and you know I I mentioned to you earlier I like to say that sport is entertainment and entertainment is sport and so again that diverse opportunity to work in just about any aspect of the entertainment industry is what I was trying to really present so our master's program um, like our, our undergraduate program it's part MBA and the rest is sport and entertainment So they come in and I like to call it, it's it's like an executive MBA. They take those core MBA courses um, and, you know, accounting and finance and and marketing and law and, and global issues. And then once they go through that, there's one course from our leadership master's program that I thought was very important. And that's a, it's a team's course. It's, um, Leading and building teams. Everything we do in the industry, at least on the sports side, and, and I can even think about other industries, you're a part of a team. So I thought that would be a great one from a leadership perspective for uh, someone that was gonna work in, in the sport or entertainment industry. Then they come back over on our side for those courses that are, are strictly sport and entertainment. And they're they're not like our undergraduate program. They're very different in terms of what, what we're teaching, Uh, And actually, even in in name, we have uh, an onboarding two-week course where they come in. And this is kind of what sets our program uh, apart from others. Yes, I have an advisory board like a lot of other uh, master's level programs will have. But my advisory board also agreed to serve as mentors. So in the first two weeks of class with me, they're starting to develop their vision, their mission, their goals, and preparing themselves for grad school, the the courses they're going to take. And during that time, they're exposed to um, my advisory board, and they go through and they pick a mentor from that advisory board. And that mentor uh, relationship is really whatever they want it to be. It can be, I'll reach out to you if I need you, or I want to use you as much as I can to learn as much about what you do in the industry and let you help me make further connections. I I, I hand them to them on a silver platter and and how they um, devour that is totally up to them. It's been a great asset so far. Um, It's, And I'm fortunate to have an advisory board that's global in nature. It's not just people located here. My program is online, so it makes it very accessible to anyone, anywhere. But I do, I have someone from Greece. I have talked to someone from Japan, Korea, Australia. Um, definitely, Greece is on board and is on, on there right now. Um, but it, it's also diverse in terms of people from the entertainment sector, like music. Uh, we're working on a couple of others from theater uh, and an actual musician, a country music um, songwriter and singer. And then we have, I mean, I can run the gamut and you know, not name drop, but at least position drop. I have an NBA ref, a PGA golfer, a professional soccer player. Um, and so I've I've tried to bring together this diverse group so that someone somewhere is what one of these students aspires to be, do, and they make that connection. So they go through and they, they, they find their mentor and then they move into other classes that we would, you know, kind of your typical sales and marketing. We're, we're all about ticket sales. So they need to have some experience in, in, in that aspect. They also take event and venue. We have one called fan engagement. Um, doesn't matter where we are. We're trying to sell tickets and we're trying to keep our fans entertained in between um, action on the field or the court or the pitch, whatever. So Mm -hmm. we have put together what I think is a very unique uh, approach to the industry. And then we finalize it with a capstone project, very similar to what I talked about earlier. Um, But undergrad, they do capstone as a a group. Mm -hmm. At the master's level, they do it individually. And so the hope is that that mentor, by the time they get to capstone class, has a project or a, a problem that they want help with solving. And so they utilize the student and that becomes their their capstone project. Right.
0: Boy, um, you covered a lot of bases there. I was going to ask, uh, as one of my normal questions, well, there's a lot of different you know, master's programs out there. And they're all, they're outstanding programs. They're excellent. Uh, we've had representatives from a number of them on. Uh, and I was going to ask, well, what do you feel makes your program stand out from some of these? And boy, you really covered it, particularly, you know, with the, the entertainment aspect. And and as you said, sports is entertainment. Any high school AD, they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I get fans in the seats? How do I keep them there? How do I get them to come back? Um, and you also mentioned the connections you know with some of your uh uh the the mentors and uh and and guest presenters wow very very cool Thank you for one of our listeners if they want to find out more and listeners i think you really should what's the website uh what's your email how do they find out more about this program
1: absolutely so it's treveca.edu. that's t-r-e-v-e-c-c-a.edu and then you just go and look under the graduate programs um, my email is labustle at travecca.edu. Uh, but most importantly, especially for those who listen and are going to be in Nashville in December, come and see me at the booth. I have uh, I'll have some some nice little giveaways for you, uh, takeaways with you, and hopefully that'll help you pass along and spread the word. This to me, I mean, I I put my heart into this and I, I wouldn't do it if I if I didn't really think that there was some value in this type of master's program, especially with the MBA, sport and entertainment combination. I think it sets people up to, um, you know, really engage in every aspect of what I believe an AD does. Um, And and if they want to go past AD and, and, you know, move on to the business world, they also have that built into this curriculum as well.
0: Yeah, they're it, entrepreneurial it, it, <laughs> yeah. no it, it sounds really cool it, it's um you know again i retired two years ago it's almost enough to make me want to come back and uh well, and come on we got a spot man. for you <laughs> uh, who knows i might have to do that i'll definitely uh stop by the booth in uh, in nashville That's for cool. listeners um we're visiting with and we're going to continue to visit with dr leanne dansey bussell she is the program director for the trevecca nazarene university masters in sport and entertainment management really cool program we'll give out that contact information again later in the podcast it's time to take another break but uh, as always we'll be back this is the educational ad podcast we want to say thanks to gipper for their support of the podcast go to gipper.com and see how athletic directors and coaches are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Go to gipper.com. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast and use the podcast code ADPOD10 and get 10% off. That's gipper.com. Start creating custom branded content for your school social media channel. gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to Huddle.com. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Over 200,000 teams use Huddle to help their athletes play better. As a high school football coach, I used Huddle for years. But as an athletic director, our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches across the board just love the smart cameras. They love the mobile apps. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle has the tools to help every team and every athlete play better. And if you go to huddle.com, you're going to find a professional grade solution for your athletic department. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Can 6 million users be wrong? Go to huddle.com and turn your school into a Huddle school. That's huddle.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast, uh, Doctor. One of our long-standing talking points revolves around, you know, the idea of toughness. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, when I was in high school, um, you know, our coaches used to say things like, "Come on, guys, you got to be tough," or "Come on, Jake, you got to suck it up." And we pretty much knew what they meant, and we did it. Uh, in the many years since then, uh, I think we have found much better ways to communicate with our student athletes. But personally, I still feel toughness is an important facet of the athletic experience and of life. So here's my question. How can a coach, an AD, a leader, how can we help kids today develop toughness while also being sensitive and aware of the very real uh, challenges that a Generation Z kid is experiencing that I never had to go through back in the seventies. Uh, what's your take on that?
1: You know, I mean, I I would love to approach this from the professor hat first, you know, toughness is, um, it's relative. Some people can handle a lot more than others. So from my perspective, I try to, to feel out my students early on and, and figure out who and what they are. Um, And then I begin to challenge them. It gets each, you know, each class, each year, it gets tougher and tougher. It's the way it's supposed to be.
0: Tougher, tougher.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so I really feel like I don't have a problem letting them fail. I don't mean fail a class, but maybe fail an assignment or um, anything that I can do to help them grow as an individual through my classes or through uh, assignments. Builds toughness. Uh, I can give you an example if that helps. I I, my event class, which is one of my bigger, most exciting and fun classes to teach. They actually put on an event, and they were putting on an event a couple of years ago. And there's always a philanthropy tied to our event. We were raising money. It was an October event, so Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer, perfect month to be recording this, Um, and. I walk along with them, I let them make mistakes, I correct their mistakes along the way, and if they don't fix them in the end, those mistakes are still there. Well, they had—they were struggling with marketing of their event. And they made a mistake on the posters that they were putting up for the event and I yanked all the posters down. So therefore that piece of their marketing was no longer available. And the execution of the event was definitely impacted by that. And I failed them on it. And they were all worried they were going to fail the class. And I said, no, this is your opportunity to learn what you did wrong and fix it for the event that you're going to do in two weeks. And they're like, what event? So I imposed an event on them. I said, this is the event you're going to do. You plan it from me telling you what it is and tell me how you're gonna do it and execute it in two weeks. And of course they stepped up. And and many of those students will tell you that they've since graduated, that that was probably one of the best experiences they had because it made them realize if this were the real world, as, as we always call it, and they made that mistake, financially it would be huge. So better for them to get that tough love from me And for them to toughen up than to fail the execution of an event so that they won't do it in the future. And they, you know, I'm happy to say nobody failed the class. They came back. They bounced back. They did an amazing job on the event. Um, So, you know, from a from a coach's perspective and and, I mean, I've been coached um, and I've watched my daughter. She was a softball player. I watched her being coached. And I think, gosh, times definitely have changed from what you said. I mean, you know, Bear Bryant coaching, you know, you used to be able to demonstrate how you want an athlete to execute a move, whatever it might be. Well, now we can't do that because we're not supposed to, you know, be that aggressive with them. But we've got to let them fail. If we never see them fail, They're not going to have, I tell my students, they need an iron stomach. And that's like the, the epitome of an an AD. You have to have the iron stomach because of the decisions you make and the people it impacts. If you can't handle what you have to do or execute as an administrator, it's going to eat away at you. And, and, you know, an iron stomach is pretty tough. So I, I'm very, um, I'm
0: trying to think of the right word to say here. Well, I, uh, let me jump in here. So you can think of that word, but uh, I'm so glad that you, you talk about uh, it's okay to fail uh, as a coach, as an athlete, you know, that that's how we get better. You know, uh, you know, things, you know, a little bit harder, try it and you succeed. Okay. We're going to make it a little bit harder. And so many parents today, um, They're afraid to let their kids fail. They don't want their kids to experience that. And that's how you grow. So uh, I wanted to say thanks for sharing that nugget.
1: Well, and my daughter may not agree with what I'm about to say. Thank goodness she's not here to hear it. Um, But I I probably rode her a little harder. Um, I was an only child. She's an only child. Um, I knew what she was capable of. And I didn't want her to settle for okay or mediocre when I knew that she could be even better and so I pushed her a lot and you know I think that it wasn't pushing in the sense of she's going to burn out push or I wasn't that parent who had super high expectations I just knew her ability and that she should at least play to her ability whatever that was or in school she's super smart smarter than I am um, and so I I pushed, but not in the way that a lot of parents push these days, and I don't want to put anybody, you know, under the bus, but um, I, I hear that from students, and that's why we've had such a decline in um, high school participation, because of the, you know, specialization, um, st- you know, parents say, my kid's going to be a fill in the blank, and they push them towards that, and they pay for all the lessons and they send them to all the camps um we let uh, sophie choose what she wanted to do but we also had rules in our house that you had to have an activity every semester so in the fall she had to have an activity and in the spring she had an activity Um, she was an archer she did archery for a couple of years that was both both semesters but she was a big softball player and she came to us and wanted to play softball um, but we said, if you make the commitment, you stick with it until you're done with high school. Uh, so she would say that we forced her to play. And it wasn't so much forcing her to play. It was the lessons that she was learning from being on that team that toughened her up.
0: No, Absolutely. Uh, we're very similar with our own kids. I appreciate you sharing that. Okay. For our listeners, once again, our guest is Dr. Leanne Nancy Bustle. Uh, She's the program director of the new master's in sport and entertainment management at Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to take another break, but we're uh, wrapping things up soon. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Final Forms for their support of the podcast. If you're not familiar with Final Forms, they're the industry leader in forms and registration for athletics. Um, But there's so much more than that. Final forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility. They've got reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come when you have an athlete in the house. Final forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. And for athletic directors, final forms can help you with eligibility, with rosters and all the reports that come with being an AD. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD podcast. Um, Doctor, during the break, uh, you know, we we're kind of sharing uh that uh, you know you uh, you know really have a, a passion for this next subject, if I can steal one of your words. So go and share with our listeners. I think they'd enjoy it.
1: So, you know, you gave me an opportunity to, to pick a topic to, to talk about, and I, I use this a lot with my students, and that's passion and purpose. You know, I always get the, the saying, I want to major in sport management because I'm passionate about sport, and, you know, that's a great beginning, but throughout the time that I'm with those students, I try to get them to understand that the passion that they talk about really needs to transform into their purpose. And by that, I mean, throughout the courses that they take, um, I'm hoping that something, if we want to call it the light bulb moment, will go off. And they'll, they'll realize that that's what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And I know it's hard to figure that out when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. But there's got to be something that draws you to sport or sport and entertainment initially. And that, like I said, is is that passion. That passion is going to carry them through a lot of working in the industry. But it's that purpose where they really begin to see their worth uh, as an employee or as a boss, if you will. And it also is where they begin to create and then leave their legacy. And that's where I try to get them to understand. I I have a group of students right now uh, in that capstone class that we have two partners. I told you one was USA Baseball. The second one is actually our own university. And I I was passionate about this. And so I've kind of turned it into their project. We don't have a loyalty system on our campus for for students, faculty, or staff for attending any events on campus. And I, I keep telling them that If we create this program and you're passionate enough about creating it, you can actually turn that into your purpose. If you do it the right way, you can create your own job. And these are seniors, so they're looking to graduate next May. If you find the right sponsors and you get the right people on board, this this will turn into your purpose. And, you know, teaching at, at Trevecca, we are a Christian university. And I think that's part of my responsibility is to help them walk the walk and, and find that path that's theirs so that they can then realize their purpose. And sometimes that doesn't happen in four years. And I get that. And, and I've had students who thought that they were supposed to work in sport management and they ended up working in, in a related field, but not specifically sport so you know i i'm never against a student if their purpose ends up being something other than sport as long as i had a part in helping them figure that out and so i start them off with you know what is your philosophy about sport management what do you want to do with your life and then i save that until they're seniors and i show it to them again and a lot of times it's changed because they've been shaped and molded by the, the general education courses they've taken, the professors they've had, or just experiences along the way in, in, in sport that, um, you know, maybe even led them down a different path. And so that, that's why I love to talk about, I, I get the passionate in the freshman. and I hope by the time they're a senior, it's it's now their purpose.
0: Well, again, absolutely. You you want them to feel, you know, that passion as they continue to go through. But you'd also hope that maybe uh, now that they're a senior, the, they've got more perspective and, you know, maybe that aim is, you know, maybe it's still laser focused or or maybe they've they found something uh, else that, to catch their eye. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, again, makes me excited, uh, you know, about uh, hearing more about the program. Well, Doctor, this has been so cool, you know, getting to know you just a little bit and hearing about the program, but we're not done yet. Uh, We always like to wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from athletic surveys by Lifetrack. But when we come back, uh, we're going to find out what Dr. Leanne Danzy-Bussell is going to put into her new athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us we want to say thanks to athletic surveys by lifetrack for sponsoring the ad toolbox segment of the podcast athletic surveys by lifetrack are a quick easy and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program athletic surveys by lifetrack also connects you with your parents and your student athletes and lets them help you demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to AthleticSurveys.com, or you can email them at info at AthleticSurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student-athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the pros at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting with Dr. Leanne Danzi Bustle from Trevecca Nazarene University. Tremendous uh, background in athletics and sport administration. And now she's directing her own program at the graduate level. Uh, but right now I'm going to challenge her to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let her put three things in their toolbox. Uh, Leanne, what three items are gonna, going to go into your athletic director toolbox
1: Uh, as we were talking during the break yes a hundred would be great done enough time to do that and I'm going to approach this more from um, uh, maybe what they need to possess not necessarily an actual tool but um, things that I think are critical to being in a leadership or a management position and the first thing is an effective communicator Um, you know More importantly, listening. Uh, We know that that's the major part of communication. Some people even say 80% of of communication is listening. We need to be able to hear the things that are going around us because far too often we we think we see things, but we're not listening. And that leads into the second one. uh, And I'll explain the, the communication part a little bit more here. And that's surrounding yourself with quality people. Uh, people who uh, mentors, colleagues, uh, coaches, coaching staff, if you're hiring, looking for those people that are going to, uh, as I like to tell my students, make you look like a genius, <laughs> make your job easier, uh, but, but surrounding yourself with quality people, people who are experts in what they do. Um, that's to me uh, a key part of an athletic director's position is it's finding it's kind of the Jim Collins scenario, mm-hmm. finding the right people to sit in the right seats on the bus. And uh, if necessary, getting the wrong people off the bus, um, but, but put those quality people, put them in your, your inner circle. Um, and the last thing I would say, and it is more of a tool, and that's from an innovation standpoint. Um, you know, these days, the younger or newer ADs are going to have the technology aspect. Um, but I think strategic planning uh, from an innovative standpoint, what can we do differently? Or what's what's the cutting edge um, technology that we can employ? And you've got so much of that as your sponsorship. It, it's great to see that. Uh, but, but getting the awareness out there that uh, being innovative, especially from a financial perspective, uh, we all know um, what it takes financially at the high, even at the high school level to, to run an athletic program. So uh, being innovative in, in those areas, I think, and, and forward thinking, um, what can I do that's different or different. Um, You know, I always tell my students that we don't invent the wheel. The wheel was already invented, but we can tweak it and we can make it a little better. And so there's not anything out there that hasn't been tried somewhere. It might not have worked at one place, but it could work for you. So don't be afraid to to be innovative and and use some things that you've you've seen others try. And of course, the last one I'm going to put in four. Um, would be talk to me about our master's in sport and entertainment management why it would be a good fit for you and um, let's get you enrolled the next start date is the end of March so you can uh, for many of them go on spring break and come back and start the program or start it as they're going to spring break Um, but I really would love to share more information about this with any of your listeners who are are at least curious about learning a little bit more and I am always open to talk about it anytime, any place. See me at the booth in Nashville if you're going to be there. And if not, um, feel free to reach out to me through email.
0: Yeah, let's go and give out that contact information. Uh, A lot of our listeners, you're going to be in uh, in Nashville. I'm certainly going to be swinging by that booth. Uh, But what's the website and how can they get a hold of you, Uh, find out more information or just pick your brain?
1: Yes. So it's treveca.edu, and then you'll search under the graduate programs and you will find us there. Uh, then my email is L A Bussell, B U S S E L L, at treveca.edu.
0: Dr. Leanne Danzi Bussell. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. All the best with the program. And uh, I'm definitely going to be looking you up uh, when I get to Nashville.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity. I always, my students would say, she loves to talk. Um, and they're right. Um, especially when it's something that, you know, we can go back to that whole passion and purpose when you're passionate about it. And you know, it's your your life's purpose. It's really, really easy to talk about it.
0: No. Well, we appreciate you spending time with our our listeners today. Uh, for our good listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of all of these interviews get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Uh, as I said, come back just about every day for new content. We want to say thanks to our partners, WeCoach and the global community, as well as our sponsors. Every single one of our sponsors I've used as a coach or as an athletic director, with the one exception is Hometown. Uh, And the only reason I didn't use them is because uh, I retired just as they were coming in to vote. But I've talked to hundreds of ADs that use Hometown and it's a great, great platform, as all of our sponsors are. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Educational AD.